Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. There's a whole lot going on in the world today, so I'm going to unpack and explain three really important news stories for us. Have you seen the pictures and videos out of the protest in Puerto Rico? First, I am so proud of them for standing up to their corrupt governor. But I also have to admit that I am jealous that our streets don't look like that after all that Trump has said and done. After that, I want to tell you the story of two Louisiana police officers who were just fired for threatening to shoot and kill Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Firing them, in my opinion, is not enough. Lastly, Israel is now openly and publicly engaging in ethnic cleansing. At this very moment, they are forcefully evicting Palestinians from their home and tearing the homes down right there on the spot. And the whole world is bothered by it. But the United States has made defending the human rights of Palestinians somehow politically incorrect. And today we're going to end with an exciting new update about the Action Pact, the brand new political organization that we formed to take our action steps to a whole nother level. Let's dig in. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. In September of 2017, a Category 5 hurricane hit Puerto Rico, and it was the strongest, deadliest, costliest hurricane to ever hit Puerto Rico. And a staggering $91 billion of damage was done. But that $91 billion in damage effectively destroyed the entire power grid of the island, leaving 95% of Puerto Rico without power. 95%. 95% of the island was without cell phone service, and over half of the island was without any clean water. Here's how bad it was. Four months after the hurricane hit, 450,000 people still didn't have any electricity whatsoever. We're talking about 120 days later. And thousands of people died as a result, not just of the hurricane, but of the devastating aftermath of the hurricane. And in the wake of it all, it wasn't just that resentment built because of the conditions, and resentment did build, but resentment built because of widespread corruption and cronyism and just gross mismanagement from Governor Ricardo Rosello and his entire administration. And to say that that man has dropped the ball would be a serious understatement. Because as billions and billions and billions of dollars have poured in, people have not seen billions and billions of dollars of real, tangible, measurable improvement. And I said all that to say, 
that Puerto Rico has gone through hell these last few years and the people's nerves are frayed. Then, just 10 days ago, Puerto Rico's Center for Investigative Journalism released 900 pages of private text messages, not just from Governor Rosello, but from 11 of his cabinet members. And these messages were not just grossly homophobic, and they were. They were bigoted, they were anti-woman, and they were disgusting. They were even violent. They, and I'm talking about members of the cabinet, were literally issuing death threats targeted toward other American politicians and cultural figures. They would speak flippantly about victims of the hurricane and their bodies like just gross, horrible, despicable stuff. And in 10 days, the entire island responding to those text messages, but, but understand, responding to the conditions of the island in general. In 10 days, the entire island has now been gripped with protest. Multiple cabinet members have resigned. The governor, Rossello, has said that he's now not going to run for re-election. But that's not what people are calling. People are calling for the man to step down or to be forced out. And they're saying to him, no, it's not enough for you to just say you're not going to run for re-election. And now hundreds of thousands of people have packed the Capitol in the largest protest in Puerto Rican history. And I am so proud of the people, particularly the young people there, who are fueling these protests. And I give my support to them. I tip my hat to them. And I encourage them to never let up. Now, I just wish that we could have protests like what I'm seeing right now, that we could have those protests on the mainland. And we have a lot to learn because you can't just adjust and get used to the bigotry and ugliness of your leaders because all of a sudden it becomes normal. And all of a sudden, we're talking about less than 10 days ago, the president of the United States literally not not on private text messages, but on public Twitter, targeted and harassed four congresswomen of color telling them to go back to their country. And instead of packing the streets like what we see in Puerto Rico, we tweeted and we Facebooked and we did podcasts, but we need to mimic and mirror what's going on in Puerto Rico. Our, our nation, and I've said this before on social media, but I mean it, our nation is far more fragile right now than I think most people truly want to admit. And our next story, I believe, is really a sign of that. I love New Orleans, but New Orleans is a lot like Atlanta and other big cities in the South in that if you go just a few miles outside of New Orleans or a few miles outside of Atlanta or Charlotte or Memphis, you learn real quick that you aren't in the big city anymore. And we were actually taught that when I was a student at Morehouse College, literally the first week we were there, this is all the way back in August of 1997. We were taught by campus police and others, listen, you are safe on this campus and on this campus, you are king. Like you are God on this campus and you are safe and nothing's going to happen to you. You go outside of this campus, we can't guarantee your safety. But if you go 15 miles outside of this campus, you might be somewhere deeply problematic. And it's like that all over the South where 
you might feel safe in Birmingham or in Jackson, Mississippi, but you go a little bit outside of Birmingham or Jackson and you learn real quick, you're not in the big city anymore and you might not be welcome. And to me, in many ways, that's Gretna, Louisiana. It's literally just 10 minutes away from New Orleans, but the police department there has a long, ugly history with bigotry. And the whole city of Gretna does, really. And, of course, Gretna has great people. I know great people who live there. But the city stays in the news over all type of racist foolishness. And now two police officers were just fired from the department, which does not happen often there. Were just fired from the department after posting on Facebook how they'd like to shoot and kill Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yes, I'm dead serious. Officer Charles Rispoli, the officer who wrote the Facebook post, and his partner, Angelo Verisco, who liked it on Facebook, were each officers in the Gretna Police Department. And they got fired for posting that violent foolishness and for even liking it. And good on the police chief there, Arthur Lawson, for firing these two men because they not only violated, clearly, openly violated the department policy, the police uh, chief there said it was deeply humiliating for the department as well, and he didn't want that undue attention on them. But Charles Rispoli, the officer who made the post, where he said Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, quote, needs a round, and I don't mean the kind that she used to serve as a bartender, saying she needs to be shot, that officer... I'm glad he's fired, but he also needs to be prosecuted by Capitol Police because it is a federal crime to threaten the life of a congressperson. But here's the thing. That threat didn't come from nowhere. It's a sign of the times that we're in. The president of the United States has targeted, harassed, and demeaned Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez over and over and over again, not just on social media, but at his rallies and before the press. And when the president of the United States demeans and ridicules and dehumanizes somebody, it makes them a target for his followers. And that's exactly what we've seen happen here. And it's exactly what the Congresswomen who are being targeted by Trump, it's exactly what they said would happen. Now, this is a bit off topic, but how wild is it that the officers who threatened AOC, were fired in less than a week, but the officer who murdered Eric Garner is still on the force five years later. Now, you think the roles would be reversed, that in New York City, which is supposed to be this progressive liberal bastion, that you kill a man in broad daylight with a chokehold that's been banned for 15 years, you'd assume that man would be fired in less than a week, and that it would be hard in the Deep South to fire the officers who posted something on Facebook. But the Deep South will surprise you sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I say it like this. I was born and raised in Kentucky, and I moved to Georgia when I was just 17 years old to go to Morehouse. And I lived, I lived in the South for 33, 34 maybe of my almost 40 years on Earth. And at the very least, there are all manner of problems in the Deep South. But people in the Deep South have confronted racism and bigotry in an open way. Now, it's often problematic. 
But people in the South, including I'm talking about conservative white folk, have a higher racial IQ than everyday white folk in the North. And it's just it's been that way for a very long time. And um, we see often officers who end up being held accountable. We often see them being held accountable in the South. It doesn't happen a lot anywhere, but we see some of the convictions have happened in the South. We see some of the terminations happening in the South. In New York, not so much. Now, I have one final story to cover for you, and then I have some very good news to share, all right? What do you really know about Israel and Palestine? Now, I know you know there's a conflict there. I think the whole world knows there's a conflict there. But I think I may need to do a whole episode just breaking down the conflict unpacking its origins and just breaking down where that conflict stands today. Now, here's the thing. I fight against bigotry of all kinds, and I've literally put my life on the line tracking down and catching and holding bigots and neo-Nazis accountable. White supremacists are literally in prison right now because I identified them, tracked them down, caught them, and literally forced them to be prosecuted by authorities. So listen, I'm against all forms of oppression. I'm against anti-Semitism, but I'm also against Islamophobia. And right now, though, I need you to understand that Palestinian people are routinely being violently oppressed, not just in the land that we now know as Israel, but in the land we know as Palestine. And just yesterday, horrible videos were being released of law-abiding, nonviolent, unarmed, Palestinian families being forcefully removed from their homes, homes that they owned and built on their land. They were ripped out of their homes, and within hours, the Israeli government brought in bulldozers to begin tearing the homes down, and it was devastating. And to be clear, and I have to say all of this because you may not know it, these were wonderful, nice well-built homes populated by peaceful families. This had nothing to do with terrorism or anything else. It was just modern-day ethnic cleansing. Human rights officials all over the world are calling it this. And Israel just wants to remove Palestinian people from wherever they can, however they can, and they will force them out of their own homes and then bulldoze those homes if they feel like they want to do it at any, any given point in time. And it's a problem. It violates international law. It's a crime against humanity. And it's embarrassing to even have to say this, but calling out the human rights abuses of Israel does not make me or anyone else an anti-Semite. But Trump and other conservatives are trying to label people who speak out on human rights abuses just like this. They're trying to label folk as being bigots, and it's just not true. They are wrong, and Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Therefore, injustice in Palestine is a threat to justice everywhere. And I stand today, as always, with the Palestinian people, as they continue to experience this horrible, horrible oppression. 
Now, as we close today, I've covered three news stories for you, but we are going to close with some good news. All right. I am super excited and do have some good news to share with you. Now over 21,000 of you have signed up to be a part of what we call the Breakdown Crew. And you're taking action steps with us. And, And for those of you who may be listening for the first time or don't know it, on over half of our episodes, maybe as many as two thirds of our episodes, we have action steps where we take social and political actions together, charitable actions together, Uh, just to magnify their effect. And we have already changed laws, introduced laws, called out corrupt politicians. Our work has led to the arrest of brutal police officers. Like, we're getting stuff done already, and that's just with the power of this podcast. And at thebreakdowncrew.com, over 21,000 of you have signed up, and it continues to grow every single day. But we announced just this past weekend that we are making the breakdown crew into something special. We're making the breakdown crew into a political organization that we call the action pack, just so that our actions can have a deep and lasting impact. Some of our actions will be things that just require you to send a text or make a call. But we know that fighting for real change sometimes requires us to organize deeply, requires us to craft real serious systemic plans and all of that just can't be done in two minutes on the podcast. And so a lot of you listen because you love hearing the news and understanding the news from a very different perspective. But a lot of you listen because you know, we're not just here to change the news. We're here to change the world. And if you want to be a part of it now, I think 1300 of you have become early donors to the action pack you can go to the action pack. That's the action com, And you can donate and become a monthly backer or a one-time donor to our work. And uh, we're trying to get by the end of the year to 20,000 backers. That's what it's going to take really for us to be operating full force in 2020. So we need you on board. All right. Thank you all so much. Um, you know, we we love your support of all of the action steps that we take, and we're excited for what's ahead for the Breakdown Crew and the Action Pack. Break it down. Thank you all for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. And if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we need you to subscribe because we're going to be back here every single weekday breaking down and unpacking important news stories and issues and we'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast app like apple podcast or spotify or whichever podcast app you use please share this podcast with your friends and family because our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers and we're not going to get there without you so subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and please leave your best review because on Apple Podcasts, we now have over 9,700 five-star reviews, but we're aiming for 10,000 five-star reviews. So we still want to hear from you. So please leave your best review when you get some time. 
And thank you so much to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so very much. And if you love this podcast and you really want to support our work, or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you too consider becoming a founding member of our community. And you can do that today at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have our podcast, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, a shout out to our associate producer, Lysandra, and our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for their hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody. Break it down.